But uh, yeah, my name is Cameron Cruz. For those of you that don't know me, uh, but uh, I, uh, my wife is Gretchen. We moved from Indiana about two years ago. It's October, so it's been crazy. Uh, a lot of moving. We love it here. Indiana's awesome, or Atlanta's awesome. Indiana's awesome too. Uh, but uh, this has been such a great family to us. Uh, we appreciate you guys, uh, just the, the love of our family group. I appreciate uh, just Joel and Ebony sharing from their heart. Uh, you can tell they're very powerful, and, and it's just great to be with all you guys. I really appreciate uh, the friendships we have with each other. Uh, tonight, we're actually going to be starting a new series, uh, and it's the, the last series uh, that we're going to have this year, and that is Truly Giving God Glory. Uh, we've been uh, going through some different things and transitions through the themes that we've had uh, through the year, and we've studied some really powerful things and had a lot of great lessons uh, about uh, really learning about how we can use our gifts to give God glory within, uh, okay, what is our gift? Okay, we're a part of a big body. Uh, we have different parts. We're all needed. We're really important to each other uh, and making sure the body is, is, is being used to its full capacity to glorify God. We've been talking about being transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind in Romans 12 uh, and how, I mean, that's another great way to show how we can give God glory by repenting, to changing, to becoming more like his son. Uh, we've talked about one other relationships. Uh, these are things, too, we're going to revisit, I think, within this theme, overarching theme of glorifying God. Uh, because relationships are things that can be very powerful, uh, I think, obviously, within this group. Uh, we can get in and we can love each other. We can encourage each other. I think for our group, we've seen how relationships are pivotal through difficult times. Uh, we've had a tough, um, I want to call it quarter or semester. We have some grad students. You know, in our family group, so I always do quarter semester uh, thing. Uh, but I mean, even Ebony sharing from her conviction and her faith. I mean, it's awesome to hear that. I mean, I don't know if you know, but she also she had a father that passed away not long ago. And these difficult times, the Casazas. I don't know if they're here tonight, but they have a, a new grandbaby, Charlotte. Uh, but they had some complications in in, in the birthing process, uh, and it was scary. Uh, and I think sometimes we just need each other to hold each other's arms up like Moses, yeah. right? Sometimes we just can't do it, and we're going through a tough time, and we just need somebody to hold our arms up. Yeah. And that's what's awesome is that we have the body to do that. Yeah, so tonight, uh, I get to introduce our theme of glorifying God, glory, uh, which is it's a funny way. I mean, it's a funny term and powerful term, but it's really how do you describe the indescribable? <laughs> that is the glory of God. How do you put that into words yeah. and explain something like that? Um, but I'm going to give it a shot. So let's go ahead and pray first, starting off, because I, I need, definitely need it. Uh, dear God, I'm so grateful uh, to come before you tonight. Uh, God, uh, you are an amazing, awesome God. Uh, you are to be praised everywhere. Tonight I pray that we know who we're reading from, the words that you spoke. I pray that we know the God who we serve and I just pray tonight you can help me to get out of the way, God. Your words to speak through me and also through your scriptures, God. I love you so much. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, you can turn your Bibles over to Exodus chapter 33. So again, how do you, how do you describe this word glory? All right. Uh, it's used uh, in 30, 371 different verses in the Bible. Uh, but in the Old Testament alone, it has two common, really different definitions. Um, and they kind of have a cool little way of moving towards something. You have Genesis, uh, Numbers, and Exodus. They really talk about the glory of God in the adjective you know, way. Like God's glory as in his 
beauty, his perfection, his majesty. And we'll talk about some scriptures, Isaiah 6, 3, Exodus 33, that we're about to look at. But then it kind of moves into the Minor Prophets, where it talks about glorifying God as a verb. Uh, praising him, honoring him. Joshua 7, give glory to the Lord, God of Israel. First Chronicles 16, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory, the glory of his name. So you see there's, there's kind of this transition. There's two kind of ways that we're going to attack the, the word glory. And first, I think what's really important is before, how do you reflect something you can't see, right? How do you reflect the glory of God unless you come into contact with it, right? And I think Moses knew that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and dive in. Exodus chapter 33. In some context with the scripture, uh, Moses is, is leading God's people through the desert, and he's a little discouraged, he's a little stressed. You know, he's been leading these, these people that have just been stragglers, and they're just complaining and groaning, and, and they're wanting to go back to a different part of, of their slavery that they were before. And he's like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, show me your presence. Show me you're here, right? And uh, here, starting off in verse 18, it says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and, and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And you see this goes into fruition in verse 30, or chapter 34. You can read through that. Moses ends up going up to Mount Sinai, calls him up. Moses decides to get up the mountain. He goes has this interaction with God where he sees his glory pass by. And you see he comes down, and that actually was going on for 40 days and 40 nights, and he didn't eat or drink anything. Kind of sounds like something else you see in the New Testament where Jesus went to the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit for 40 days, 40 nights, and eat something. But what's crazy is he came off the mountain sluggish, tired, downcast. No, he was glowing. He was radiant. Doesn't really make sense, right? Moses, what's crazy, though, is God says, you want me to show you my glory? I'll go ahead and do that. I'll show you my glory, but you can't really see the fullness of my glory because you'll die. If I show you my face, you're going to die. I mean, that's kind of crazy for me to think about. Right. We can't even see the fullness of God or we will die. That's what he's saying. But here, this is what I'll do. To make up for that, I'll, I'll block you with my hand, and then you'll be able to see my backside. And that's the only thing you can actually stand without dying. That's not my good side. You know what I'm saying? But that's God's <laughs> God's going to know his backside, not his face. That's what he actually says. You will see this, and you will be radiant. Right? I mean, that's crazy to me. But to even attack that, we have to look at, I mean, Moses made the decision to go up the mountain. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the people here in this story were afraid. Yeah. They were afraid of God's presence. What was that going to do to them? That was going to put some serious perspective in life. I mean, it was, I mean, you allow yourself, you know, you allow God to see you when you see him, right? I mean, that's kind of scary, too. What is he going to think? Yeah. And there's a lot of power, but I think we have to choose and make the decision to fight past any fear, any insecurity, to walk up the mountain. Because, 
I mean, most in a struggling place. It doesn't take a person to be strong and start walking up the mountain. Right, yeah. We can be weak yeah. and walk up the mountain. Amen. But it's the glory of God that's going to be radiant and that's going to really allow us to reflect Him. So what is the glory of God? I mean, we still have not answered that question at all. So we're going to dive into that. All right? Again, how do you describe something that's indescribable? I don't want to do it injustice. It's the glory of God. But Isaiah 6, verse 3, I think it brings me to delight. Isaiah the prophet. In verse 3, I mean, he's talking about the angels. He sees, the, he sees God on his throne. And then these angels speak. And they say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, and then what's crazy, we don't really read this typically, the first part, but we always read, here am I, send me. And we love the song, right? It's like, oh wow, the willingness to just do whatever he wanted. Like, whatever God wanted him to do, just go. That's awesome. But it came from an understanding of God's glory. I mean, he was like, he saw it and he witnessed it and he was like, it said that earth was shaking. I mean, he, he had to have been a little fearful. I mean, he was in the presence of God. There had to have been this reverence, this understanding of, oh my goodness, this is God. But I think it's really hard for us to really put that in perspective today. Ebony, I think, said something that really stuck out to me. And I think something that we can go to when, it, when we're talking about God's glory. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I think the sky is a great part to start. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. So this is what's crazy. So we are a planet, but even on a smaller level, we're a city. And sometimes we feel like we're a pretty big city, right? The land is big. And then you're also a part of a state. You're part of uh, a country, continent. And then you're also part of a world. The world's pretty big, right? You would say it's huge. You're a part of a solar system within a galaxy which has been within a universe. I think that's really hard to comprehend, so I'm gonna go a little deeper. Uh, how we measure this universe are light years. A light year is 186,000 miles a second for a whole year. 186,000 miles. So that is 5.88 trillion miles in one year. Travel. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, 100,000 light years across. 5.88 trillion times 100,000. That's huge. That's the glory of God. There are, uh, there are, but think about this. The Milky Way galaxy. There are hundreds of billions of galaxies in the whole universe. Hundreds of billions of galaxies in the whole universe. That's crazy. I don't think you, I don't think we understand really how big our God is. I don't think we really understand how big our God is. But it takes going up that mountain. Amen. You know, it's also said uh, the Milky Way galaxy consists of billions of stars. That wasn't enough. It said you can count a star a second. It would take you 2,500 years to count all the stars. Who has that many years? Again, that's not enough, one more. It's also said that our solar system, in relation to the size, is in relation, a size of a quarter in all of North America. We're gonna be here for a while. Just putting quarter, 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 quarter. North America. Can you comprehend that? Can you really fully grasp that? Now let me tell you a scripture that really stands out to me about God's glory. 
Psalm 147, verse 4 says, He determines the number of the stars. He calls them each by name. By name. You can't count them in our own galaxy. You can't count them unless you have 2,500 years to spare. And he names them. That's our God. That's the glory of our God. Maybe you go to the Grand Canyon. Some people went on a single retreat, which looked awesome. I know some people went to go visit that. That's the glory of God. I was flying on a plane above the clouds when we were on a trip uh, for a wedding. I mean, I, I just get blown away every time I see something like that. I remember the first time I flew. I was a little older than typical, but uh, I think I was like middle school or high school. Don't make fun, but um, it was just amazing. First of all, flying, taking flight, like, that's crazy. But being then above the clouds and seeing that is like mind-blowing. Yeah. That's the glory of God. Amen. Then the glory of God is revealed in our lives. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Man, yeah. death couldn't even hold him. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. John Piper defines the glory of God as... The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. He says, when you see it, you will know it. You can't miss it. You can't be in the presence of God and be like, oh, I think I just walked in the presence of God. No. You're there and you see it and you're like, wow, this is crazy. It, it brings an emotion out of you. I saw Tiger Woods play past this past Thursday. It was awesome. I mean, I was like, he was right there, right where Pam is, and I'm standing right here, and that was Tiger Woods. And I was like, go Tiger! I said it. I was like, I didn't hold myself. Go Tiger! I like, I watched him all the time. He's like, wow. I mean, he's right there. And he looks over and he nods at me. I mean, I thought it was me. It was the guy next to me, too. But I think he looked at me. He needed my encouragement to win. He won the championship, second in the FedEx Cup. I was super bummed. Tiger Woods. He's back, baby. But that demanded a response. I was I was in the presence of Tiger. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but think about this. What does the presence of God reflect on your life? How do you respond to the presence of God? So first, you can't reflect what you don't see. That's my first point. Second point is to glorify God. It takes a response when you're in the glory of God. Malachi chapter 1, we're going to go here. This is a great depiction and story. To be honest, of how not to respond when you are in the presence of God. But I think for all of us, I think there's some things that we can take from You guys with me? All right. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6 is the prophet of God. The last of the Old Testament says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. God. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect to me, says the Lord? It is you, O priest, he's talking to priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? These guys are out to lunch. They are totally just not understanding what's going on. Out of touch. We can be there sometimes. I can be there definitely. You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? And these guys seriously are out to lunch. I mean, you know, if you read Leviticus 22, you know exactly what God says is honorable and not honorable to sacrifice. Yeah. Defiled food is definitely not one of those things. 
But I'm assuming this was a gradual, slow change. They really became dull to the presence that is of God that we describe. 100,000 light years, naming every star that it it would take 250,000 years to count. Can you just imagine that? But they became dull. They forgot. It says, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? He says, I know this official that you really see in high regard a governor. You wouldn't even sacrifice them to him. I am God. Do you remember who I am? I've shown myself to you. Are you serious? You're stepping into the temple, and this is what you give me. This is what you give me? Going on. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, not wrong. Skipping down, verse 9. Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Wow. God says, go ahead and shut the door. Shut the door. I mean, I always felt like, okay, hey, at least they're getting some sacrifices. I mean, they're still doing something, right? And God says, no. I don't want your seconds. I don't want that. Do you know the kind of God that I am? I'd rather you shut the door. Take the key, throw it away. Then sacrifice these, this defiled food on my altar in my presence. I mean, I think, I mean, like, I read that and I was like, wow, that's pretty harsh. But there's a reason. Why did he say that? And verse 11 says, My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Curse the chief, who has an acceptable male in his flock, and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God is to be praised. Amen? God wants to be known among the nations as a great, awesome God. But these people obviously went wrong somewhere. And I truly believe they lost the reverence of God. I'm trying to make some excuse for them or whatnot. Like, oh, they must not have had an acceptable sacrifice. He says at the end, guys, you had a great sacrifice to give me. It was right there. Why'd you give me this? I think they truly lost the reverence and the fear of God. They became dull to God's glory. Now, that's something I fear, honestly, for this group. I fear that we allow the culture that is of today for us to lose the reverence or have lost the reverence that is of God. And I think God takes that very seriously. Yeah. And it comes out in our life. It comes out in our relationships. Yeah. The lack of depth, vulnerability, honesty, willingness to be real, open, to put
push back past the fear of judgment to glorify God. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God. God's glory. God's praise. And we reflect that by being in the presence of it and then showing it in our life. But how can we do that if we don't have depth vulnerability in our relationships? If we're not showing that among our coworkers. I mean, I have some coworkers to be totally vulnerable with you. I wonder how they would feel if I really shared my faith with them. Would they be surprised? I think I have some coworkers and some people that I work with that might be shocked. That's convicting to me. Am I glorifying God with my life, on my job? Do you have some people in your life who are like, I don't know if I want to bring them because I don't know if they'd have great things to say about me in front of all my church friends. I want to talk about the marriage for a second. If you have something that you can use to glorify God in amazing ways. A marriage that is faithful, loving, encouraging, not perfect, but humble, willing to get advice, willing to get insight, to use whatever possibly you can to give glory to God. Being open, being honest, not about being perfect. And I, I struggle with this. Last night we were farting, you know, fighting, not farting. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably going on too, though. <laughs>
talking about your life or if you're sharing your faith, it has to be like, those are the times you share God's glory. No, it's simple tasks too. Yeah. Just eating and drinking, what's more simple than that? Yeah. On your job, how well are you doing on your job? How much effort are you putting on your job? That's giving glory to God. Amen. Sometimes I think we, we, we try to act like it has to be rocket science, but really at the end of the day, it's those small things that make a big difference. Paul also says in Philippians 2, and I'd encourage you to read this chapter for the sake of time, but he talks about really being one and like-minded with, with, with Christ. Uh, love, grace, courage, humility. And on, on the end, he says we're in a corrupt generation. Corrupt. He says we're to shine like stars, yeah. reflecting God. Yeah. I'm going to close with a story. Um, Carter's not here tonight, but Steph is. But I'm going to share a story about a guy that we met at a, a brunch. A while back. Um, this was a while back. But um, met a guy after church um, at lunch, and we were talking, and he was really interested. Uh, like, really interested in wanting to learn about God. And I was like, that's awesome. I just thought, fast, and I wonder what's there. And he looked a little just disgruntled and just kind of really wanted to be at church. And then we were talking, and then I texted him, and he didn't really text back. But then one day, he texted me and said, okay, we need to get together. I just got out of the ER. I just, I, I need to talk to you. I have some serious issues. I just, you know, I, I need some, I need some help. Uh, so we got together, and uh, he's like, Cameron, I relapsed for the third time. I've been to four different rehabs. I know God's only gonna give me so many chances. His girlfriend found out that he had a drug addiction when she walked in and saw him pass out. Mm-hmm. This guy's been through a lot. Yeah. We started talking about the promises of God. God wants to give you. Uh, yeah, the life to the full. He, want, he doesn't want you to be stuck in this. And, and it was just, everything was to him eye-opening. It was awesome. It was, it was something that he saw and he just clung to it. But then he, he, we, through time, Lisi, his girlfriend, started studying the Bible too and it was really encouraging. And, and then we started challenging him a little bit on some things about having accountability in his life with, with this drug addiction and he felt like it was just gone. And, um, and then he just stopped texting back and calling. Um, Carter and I got really close to him. His mom, we went to an Indians game, or a Braves game, and his mom was like, thank you for saving my son. And I'm like, whoa, did not do that. But I'm like, it was just really powerful. And uh, he didn't text back, didn't text back. I asked Lisi, you know, like, what's going on with Seth? And, you know, and she's like, he's fine, he's not doing drugs, don't worry about him, he's good, you know, we're all good. And I wake up one morning, on Friday morning, and my wife is just, that deep cry, like that screeching, like that deep wailing cry. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever heard somebody have that? It's just lend like any other cry. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? And I wake up and she says, Seth's gone. Seth's gone. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm in disbelief. So I'm like, oh, he's gone. Like, you know, did he run away? Is he get somewhere else? Or what happened? And she goes, no. Seth's over here. He's dead. And uh, that was really hard. I mean, that was really, really hard. Thinking, God, what, what you, what's going on? And uh, we went to the, the funeral, and I just remember coming back from the funeral and thinking, man, did I really do God justice? Did I reflect God's glory? The Lord? And, and I know I had to drop that, right? I mean, I, and I appreciate I have people in my life that really helped me with that. 
But I think we do have to look at, there are people out there hurting. Yeah. And they're looking for us to reflect the shine like stars on this journey. I think we're called to reflect God's glory. But first, we have to be in the presence of God to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. And second, we have to make the choice. 